The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, you knew this one was coming. We alluded to it earlier, but I have selfish reasons to say show me something Kirk Cousins. Here's why. I'm going to be in studio on Sunday. I'm going to be in the viewing room during that game. We're going to be out on the studio set as that game ends. And I don't want to hear that giant-headed Chris Sims taunting me constantly about, it's a Kirk Cousins. He's your favorite quarterback. You like it, a Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I don't think the gap right now between Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes is as broad as people would think it is. You don't like it at Kirk Cousins. I don't like it at Kirk Cousins. It's nonstop, especially because he's a Giants fan. Let's go Big Blue. And it's going to be relentless. So, Kurt, do me a a personal favor here. Go out and ball (laughs) out just so I don't have to deal with Sims for three hours on Sunday. (laughs) Oh, something happened to your horn? (laughs) Please. Uh, That was from last Friday. Uh. Sorry, it didn't work it out for you. Worked until it didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Worked until it didn't. Yeah. Worked until fourth and eight. Long, long, long Sunday. It was a good one. I, did we, have we told people how? You know, I mean, of course, I was loud and obnoxious, just like any giant fan would be. I'm a you know a New Yorker, a New Jersey guy, and Mike was just sitting there, quiet. You know, he's quiet. He's got a little grin on his face at times, but doesn't say much, and he just. Waiting, he was just waiting. He just got, they're gonna pull off the magic, and I'm gonna look over at Sims and go eat it. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Yeah, uh, it was a good day. Good day. Way to go, Big Blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked about it Monday. Uh, Thanks for talking. Yeah, good. About it Sorry. Okay, good. No problem. <laughs> and I and I won't and I won't I won't be remotely unprofessional in the event that the Eagles beat the Giants on Saturday night. I won't be an <laughs> ass about. It. I really won't be. Okay. I won't be. I won't be because I know. I know how much it hurts. That's the problem. And it's the point that Tom Brady made the other night. There's eight teams still left. Seven of them are ultimately going to be unhappy. Yeah. Tom Brady was unhappy on Monday night during the game. And yeah, this is we talked yesterday about how the broadcast crew didn't call out Tom Brady for the duck and cover throw right. 
that resulted in the interception. It really kind of felt like the moment the game went off the rails for the Buccaneers and they could never get it back on. How about this? I don't know what it was. It was like a, I mean, people were saying it would be a red card in soccer. It was a slide tackle attempt to try to trip Malik Hooker while he was returning a fumble. It wasn't flagged. Here it is. Well, this is no. This is it, wait, wait, wait. No, this, this is Brady just this throwing bad passes. It was passes. in the third quarter. That's all right. This we'll, is just Brady. This is we'll the. Get to this it. is the setup. This is not. That is not the right video. That, but but that set up the frustration that Brady was experiencing when the third quarter rolled is. around, and it's twenty-four nothing, and there's a fumble, and Malik Hooker has the ball, and he takes off with it the other way, and watch Tom Brady. Watch him Watch him with the – where is it? Near the right end. there. Watch, look for 12. Where's TB12? There he is, and he's sl- – what is – I'm sorry. I don't care. You're the GOAT. That's great. Greatest ever. What a punk-ass move that is. To, what is that? I'm going to slide in foot first to trip this guy? Are you kidding me? Like, no, Are you kidding me? More than that. What in the world is that? That was a slide is, and I'm a sweet kick. Hey, let me tell you, let me tell you, there's going to be plenty of people in the media that are afraid to say anything about it because it's Tom Brady and he's going to be mad. I don't care. That's uncalled for. That's shameful. And in moments like that, maybe you get a glimpse into a guy. I, I don't want to say it. Well, maybe we've you seen get the a glimpse, glimpse of who he really is. We've seen Maybe the you do. Yeah, we've seen it. You know, you said it's Tom Brady. People don't want to take it. They don't want to deal with, you know, him not liking them. I mean, that's ridiculous for a guy that has had it. Also, he's kicking a guy who's had a torn Achilles tendon before and career was almost ended by it. You know, a quarterback doing this of all. You're not allowed to touch the quarterbacks, but now he's going to do a karate kid. Johnny, take his leg out. Sweet, speed, sweep sweet the kick. leg. Right. Sweep the leg. BS. And honestly, it's par for the course. I'm just there's I'm not giving him a damn break for this. It's par for the course. What's this? The fourth kick of the year? The fourth. Tried to trip Tariq Woolen on the trick play, throw it back to the quarterback. Got tackled too hard by Grady Jarrett, threw a fit, and kicked him two different times during the game. Been doing it his whole career. It's it's inexcusable. And, yeah, it, it bothers me. It does. It, the way he acts in those situations is at, like, well, what, what are you kicking him for? You're barely on the ground. He kicked him. That's not even as bad as the next one. Watch this one. This is worse, right? And this is one, this, this got called for roughing. He got called for roughing, too. And then they hear he's going to try to kick him in the family jewels because he's like, how dare you tackle me? It's baby bullshit right there. That's what that is. I remember the game in the playoffs against the Ravens where he did the slide with the cleats up and he, yeah. and he kicked Ed Reed in the crotch. And Reed believes he needed hip surgery eventually because of that. Here we are. Wow, well done, control room. Watch the slide and watch the foot. Right up, right up into Ed Reed's hip, crotch, whatever. Now we know where Mac Jones learned it. Frankly, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that. I mean, that's a kick. He more people him. aren't. Yeah. Now, now look, I've seen, I've seen plenty of people criticize him on social media, and that's fine. Social yeah. No, but the, the, the powers to be, the people like us, I don't. want more voices like us yeah. to say what the, what, what, what? It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Um, and, and we're going to hold this guy accountable for that action. That is unacceptable. Well, I, I'll be fascinated to see if the NFL finds him and how much they fine him for that move. Because 
If the league is going to be obsessed as it is and as it should be with player health and safety, there is no room in the sport for that kind of crap. That's something that we would have called dirty back in the 70s when they were grabbing and squeezing everything they could at the bottom of a pile and we thought it was funny and you know guys were getting clubbed in the head and the game was far rougher and far more violent than it is now and it's good that those changes have been made my point is that that move would have even no, stood out no, as no. dirty yeah punk ass bullshit then right agreed it's it's just uh it's 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 uh, it's, it's shocking in, in a lot of ways, and it, it has been a thing throughout his career. And, the throwing fits when he's getting sacked tell, let, and doing that, and yeah, yeah, it's just it's not a good not a good look. I, I've said this before. When an eight year old does it, we try to encourage them to not be that way. Jimmy, you don't have to win at everything. Come on, Jimmy, let the other kids have a chance. Jimmy, you need to calm down a little bit. Jimmy, do we need to put you on timeout? But then when an adult acts that way, we're like, that's competitor. He's a competitor. He hates to lose. Well, there's a point where you got to grow the F up and act like an adult, right? I, I, I'm sorry, but I think I, we're probably laying it on a little thick because we know nobody else is going to say anything. Maybe if we lay it on thick, somebody else will say, yeah, you know what? We probably should call this guy out for that. Well, yeah, Especially we forgot the, who he is. Yeah, I think yeah. it's even more important to call him out. Exactly. I, I think so, too. And I think what with, with, with like you and me, where – we were bothered by it. It's just that it wasn't called out in real time, right? I mean, Buck and Troy Aikman are awesome, but it felt like, yeah, they gave him a free pass for Duck and Chuck, worst interception of the weekend in the playoffs, and then, and then they didn't even talk about that, and it was front and center. I mean, I, when I saw it happen, I was like, did Brady just try to kick slide him? Like I, I literally, and I rewound it on the on my DVR and went back and was like, "Holy crap!" And then, of course, got back to the game. But uh, yeah, I think that's what's frustrating too is that there is a lack of accountability there or people calling him out. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a BS move. And we saw Mac Jones get called out and eviscerated, you know, for something similar last year and this year. And here, this guy's yeah, done rightfully it so, too. right? Right? Rightfully so. Uh, it just it doesn't make sense that way. I I will be very curious to listen to the next episode of the Let's Go podcast to hear how or if the issue comes up. And, you know, he's laughed off that kind of stuff in the past. I I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I'll, I'll hold my reaction to what he says Monday until I hear it on Monday. But I'm going to reserve the right to be even more upset if he says anything other than that was wrong, I shouldn't have done it. I apologize. Sometimes my emotions do get the better of me. I've been that way, and I know it's wrong, and I just can't help it in the moment. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know what more he can say than that, you know, yeah. other than I'm not going to do it ever again until he does it again. Uh, I just, I still, I'm looking at this list of all these things, and I'm sure there's more that we didn't see over the years and some of the stuff he says and some of the way he acts. I, I, a great player. And, and, and look, maybe it's one of the ingredients in being the GOAT. Maybe, just like with Michael Jordan, the only way you ever become better than anyone who's ever done it is to be so maniacal and so tormented and so obsessed and so focused that your brain is periodically going to break and you're going to do stuff like that. 
I'm not making an excuse for it. I'm no, just trying to no. understand. Well, Michael Jordan why never he went to that. cheap shotville ever. He never went. Oh wait, no, I'm, I'm, I'm losing. I'm going to take a cheap shot and try to you know break a guy's leg or kick him in the you know the family jewels, right? So yeah, that's no. where Dennis Rodman did. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, Remember when he kicked the cameraman in the crotch? Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. it, like, there's a lot of things with Dennis Rodman that we can go back and have yeah. a whole show about. But uh, yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things for again a guy who, you know. It, it seems about perfect in a lot of ways in his life, and it is about work ethic and doing whatever he's got to do to win and doing all that. Yeah, it just it's moments of seems like being a baby, and uh, that that's just not what's cool, and we don't expect that from the goat. Well, hey, and if people are going to call out Russell Wilson for being contrived and manicured and rehearsed and phony, TB12, whole lot of phony. Whole lot of fake. Whole lot of real guy stays under wraps 90% of the time. Remember he said that on LeBron James, the shop, June of 2001. 90% of the things I say I don't believe. He doesn't want to be hated. He doesn't want the controversy. It's a deliberate effort to suppress your own authenticity. That's why I'm concerned he's not going to be very good in the broadcast booth. Unless he puts that bag down and, and is himself... It's gonna be a lot of canned stuff, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna have a he's talking about turmoil because he's willing to say I see a lot of bad football. You can say it generally. At some point, he's gonna to have to say it specifically. Yeah, right. At some point, he's gonna be watching bad football, right. and he's gonna be expected to say things, and he's gonna be expected. Isn't it gonna be awkward if somebody does something dirty during a game and he decides to get on a soapbox about it? That's gonna be awkward. I'm kind of looking forward to Tom Brady as a broadcaster. I think this job is gonna be a lot harder than he realizes. I, I I don't you know I I don't disagree. I'm interested to see that approach. You know, again, we know his knowledge of the game. You know, his ability to talk it, it is special. But, yeah, can he, you know, take a side or criticize a coach for making a bad decision on a third down or a fourth down, whatever that is? I think that's what we're all interested to see. Because, yeah, there's usually the superstar quarterback like a Tom Brady. Uh, they're used to people liking them. They don't want to ruffle feathers that way. They don't want to make a stand and, and be controversial. And I think that's something that he's, yeah, going to have to figure out here with the, with the new job. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said for just being who you are, not getting yourself caught up in this this web of facades and appearances. It's exhausting. That's one of the reasons why I'm just open and obvious who I am. It's exhausting to try to be someone other than who you are. If you're if, if just say what you believe and be who you are and life is a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, you create other issues, but life still is is uh a lot easier if you're not trying to be something other than who you are, which is one of the reasons why I've gotten myself sideways with Aaron Rodgers over the years, because I've been willing to speak my mind and he's willing to speak his mind. And here he is from Pat McAfee's show yesterday, speaking his mind about whether or not he believes he can still play at a high level. Do I still think I can play? Of course. Of course. Can I play at a high level? Yeah. The highest. I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. Um, right situation. Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. Um, but I don't think you should shut down any, you know, opportunity. Like I said, during the season, it's got to be, you know, both, uh, both sides, uh, you know, like actually wanting, you know, to work together moving forward. And, uh, I think there's, you know, more conversations to be had. Um, 
I think no player wants to be part of any type of rebuild. I said that years ago. Um, reloads are a lot of fun because you feel like you're close. You're only a couple guys away. This game is about relationships. It's about the players you play with and count on, even if uh, they don't maybe show up huge in the stat book. A guy like Mercedes Lewis is an important cog in the wheel of the locker room and the momentum of the team. That's a guy I want to finish my career with, you know. If I'm playing, I want that guy next to me, you know. I want the Randall Cobbs of the world, if he wants to keep playing, in my locker room, guys you can win with. You know, Alan Lazard, Bobby Tynion, Dave Bakhtiari. Um, there's a lot of interesting names that um, we'll see, you know, their, uh, you know, desire to re-sign these certain guys who are glue guys in the locker room will be an interesting conversation to be had. Um, take all that away, I still, you know, need to mentally get to a point where I feel 100% locked in and ready to uh, to play a 19th season. He said a lot of stuff, Chris. And let me just start with, and I didn't drag him for this in the article I wrote yesterday, but why is his standard of success winning another MVP and not winning another Super Bowl? I, I, I hear you there. I know. It, it, it does um, seem like an I, I, I comment. I get that. But I, I also think he's trying to just kind of set a bar to go, hey, like, I still think I could play a level that's really damn good. And he's trying to say, you know, MVP to be that, that type of level. You're right. But I, I get what you're saying there. And, you know, it, it, I, I understand the dissection of that comment. And remember when he decided to play in 2021 after he entered the weekend before training camp 50-50 and the sports books took down all the Packers-based futures bets because they were freaked out that he might retire. He pushed for Randall Cobb to be brought back, a guy that the Packers deliberately let go. They traded to bring him back, and now he's got a whole list of guys he wants back. I mean, that's his, that's his ransom note to Brian Gutekunst. These are the guys I want. And if those guys are re- basically if those guys are re-signed before the start of free agency, I'll be inclined to come back. If they're not, eh, maybe I'm going to want to go somewhere else. And yesterday, I got the sense, Chris, for the first time that he would entertain playing for another team. It, I it thought he like went that. through that last year. Agreed. The metaphor I used for last year was he was going to go skydiving. Damn it! I've been talking about going skydiving for years. I'm finally going skydiving. I've got my parachute on. I got the goggles pulled down. I got the helmet on. The door to the plane is open. I am standing here ready to jump. Nah, I don't think I'm going to. I felt like that's what happened last year, and I still continue to be convinced that they hired Nathaniel Hackett in Denver because they thought they were getting Aaron Rodgers. Because what did they do the same day that Rodgers said he was staying with the Packers? Yeah. They entered into a deal to trade for Russell Wilson the same day. Right. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. These things are not related in any way, shape, or form. Baloney. So maybe he's back up in the plane again. Maybe he's got the parachute back on. Maybe he's getting ready to pull the goggles down and look for a place he can jump. That's part of his deliberation. How could it not be? If your choices are stay with the Packers, retire, or play for someone else, those are the three. That's yeah, it. Yeah. It isn't some vast array of choices. It's it. It's not like one of the, you don't go to one of those restaurants with a big ass menu. It's like what the hell am I going to eat? It's breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's it's Packers retire or someone else. And now within someone else, who that's part of it. But I got the impression that he's willing to at least entertain it. Yeah, I I, I felt the same way. I did, and you know I think there's been some chatter out there. Um, 
I, I don't know. Maybe his evaluation of the team is a little bit like you were talking about, where he's not sure it's going to be a reload, and they might actually, you know, be a little bit more on. Whoa, we're just going to flip the team over. I don't want to say rebuild. They're not there. They they still got a lot of solid good pieces, uh, but you know, maybe that's the uncertainty he's having there. Uh, again, I understand him wanting his guys to to a degree. You know, Bakhtiari, Tunyon, Cobb. Who else did he mention there? Those are three that I, I remember off the top of my head. You know, but also Mercedes got a, Lewis. Oh, Mercedes Lewis. Randall right. Cobb. Right. David Bakhtiari, Robert Tunyon, Alan Lazar. Oh, those Lazar. Guys he yeah, right. he's got to be careful, too. Just like, okay, yeah, we, we want to make you comfortable. But, uh, I mean, again, again, are we going to compromise the football team into making you feel comfortable? It, it's... I know he likes Randall Cobb, but Randall Cobb is it it's it's about over. I don't know what else to say. And you know, those times where you're shaking your head and you're mad that no one's open, I wanna go, well yeah, you got an aging guy working in the middle of the field who can't get open. He's your best friend and he's in there, but he can't get open. So uh I you know it, it, and where this is different to me too than like maybe the Tom Brady leaving New England type of thing, of course is the contract situation. And all of that. And then, of course, you're going to have to come up with a trade compensation and then also give him a huge amount of money, you know, where, you know, where Brady made it easy for teams. I know we didn't have the trade, but he wasn't looking to be making 50 or 60 million dollars a year. He just wanted to be paid. Pay me good enough to where, hey, it's, um, you know, I'm making good money. I'm not trying to break the football team, but let's go forward. That's going to make things hard as well. Oh, yeah, we're going to trade a bunch of picks for a guy who's making $60 million a year and then next year might hold us hostage and tell us he's going to retire. That's one where, again, I just that's going to be a rare spot, and I don't know where that happens, and uh, there's a lot of things to figure out here as far as that situation is concerned. And that's what's fascinating here, the possibility that the Packers – may have to pay some of that $60 million to facilitate a trade. And maybe they would because if they would kind of like to move on to Jordan Love and the alternative is Aaron Rodgers says, I'm just going to stay put and you're going to pay me $60 million, maybe you pay him 15 20 to go and the new team pays 40 and you pick up whatever you get by way of trade compensation. But you're right. This is far different than Tom Brady. When Tom Brady became a free agent, it was a $25 million contract. Right, right. And I don't think he was making much more than that this year. No, I don't He's think so. He's not asking for huge amounts. Aaron Rodgers is on the books for $60 million, nearly $60 million, just south of it, fully guaranteed for 2023. That's a factor, too. Who's going to want him? And when you consider just the stuff he said yesterday, the idea that he's going to walk through the door with some demands and he's going to try to take over. Are there going to be coaches and general managers out there that embrace that? Yeah, I know. Maybe there'll be some that are sufficiently desperate. Maybe. Maybe there'll be an owner that'll say, we'll do whatever we have to do. We have to have this guy. But I just think from the standpoint of what he brings to the team, Tom Brady, I think, brings a lot more revenue potential than Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers would sell a ton of jerseys. I mean, if Rodgers would go to the the Raiders, could you imagine that silver and black 12 Rodgers jersey? My right. goodness. But then they don't retire jerseys, so they would go ahead and, and uh, issue 12 to him. Uh, you know, I, I assume. And Brady, same thing if he would go there. But I, I just think you're right. It's more complicated. It's far more complicated than it would be for Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to have the right to pick his next team no matter what. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, if he wants out, 
and they work out a trade, it's it's going to be dicey, it's going to be delicate, and there may not be a team out there that is ready to make the investment. Because, and look, maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder next year and he plays like he did in 21 and 22, um, or in 20 and 21, excuse me. But the 22 version, you saw some things that made you think, definitely. you know, guy's going to be 40 soon, and maybe maybe there's a little... And I know he gets, a, he gets, he gets pissy about that, but... I didn't think he he was as high end dominant as he'd been in twenty and twenty one. No, I know you're right. We had, we had too many, right? You know, Tuesday conversations, middle of the week conversations this year where we just went, "What, Aaron Rodgers? Like, what what was he doing? How did he miss that throw? Why didn't he make that throw? Look at this pack of plays we put together. Whoa, people are open. I mean, it, for me, it was without question the worst year of his career. It was, you know, and I know there were some things there with the team that weren't perfect, but it was, we saw little inklings of it at the end of the 2021 season, and it came right, filtered right through to the to the regular season this year of just, yeah, jittery in the pocket, you know, check down Charlie a little bit too much. Wait, why are you looking at the rush? You're protected. There's people open down the middle of the field. Wait, you did throw the ball down the middle of the field? Ooh, it was off target. It didn't quite seem like it had the steam that it usually does. We saw that in the last game, a few throws where we were just like, what? Man, he underthrew that by 10 yards. He underthrew that by 15 yards, right? So it was not a great year by him. And then, Mike, I mean, again, where where are those spots that, you know, we could even just loosely talk about right now, right? Like Indianapolis. Okay, yeah, hey, they need a quarterback. Are they really going to go down that route once again? Like, hey, let's get the one-year guy? I don't think so, right? Yeah, let's get the one-year guy right. one year too late. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that Exactly. Again. So you look at them. You know, again, uh, Houston, I don't think he's going to want to go to Houston no matter what. If they paid him $160 million, you go, I don't want to do that. Um, the Jets, would they trade for him? I, you know, again, I, I'm just looking at just things that are just a, are a possibility at all to even start a conversation here. The Raiders one, I hear you. I think that's one that makes sense. Um, Atlanta, would they use him as a bridge quarterback? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's few and far between. I guess we can get into Washington with that conversation. Uh, I, I think that's probably where we're at with that. Uh, I don't see Carolina and him going there and them wanting to do that. I, I, I would think that they want to start getting into, let's find a quarterback that's going to be here for a substantial amount of time, kind of like the Colts. So I don't know. Anybody else jump out to you there? I I think that's all of them. I right? mean, yeah, I'm scanning through them in my brain. I mean, the 49ers, that's a team that, remember, a couple of years ago, he wanted to be traded to the 49ers. Sure. He thought he was going to be traded to the 49ers. They called the day of the draft. That yep. was what kicked up that whole mess in the 21 draft, almost like he waited deliberately one year because they turned his life upside down by drafting Jordan Love. He waited until the first day of the draft to to drop that turd in the punch bowl and create that. that it was months of acrimony and confusion. You know, last year he put it all to bed before the start of free agency. 21 was when it was the protracted week after week, what's he going to do? And yeah. this year I think we'll have, a de- we'll have a decision, we'll have an answer by the middle of March because whether he's staying, whether he's leaving, he's not going to have it hover over himself or anyone else. So I expect he'll make a decision here fairly quickly. And if he's going to be heading to another team, there's going to be a lot of stuff that has to happen behind the scenes. 
And the more stuff that happens behind the scenes, the greater the chance we're going to catch wind of exactly it. How about, right. did you mention the Titans? Oh, the Titans no. are one, too. No, maybe, right. Maybe. You're right. You're right. You know, depending on what they want to do with Ryan Tannehill there and all that. Yeah, I, I hear you there. There's some sen- That makes some sense as well. And you've got the relationship between Mike Vrabel and Matt LaFleur where they could maybe work something out. Not that it would be at their level because you know, Brian Gutekunst in the front office is going to be making that decision. But I could see Vrabel having an off-the-record conversation with LaFleur about trying to work with Rodgers because that would be that would be fun. How about, the, how about the Patriots if they move on from Mac Jones? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, how about Aaron Rodgers? Wearing number 12 in New England. How about that? <laughs> I don't think that – that might be the one place where he couldn't do that. They'd be like, wait, that's Tommy's number. Go pack your car somewhere else and get another jersey, all right? I think that's more how that goes down. <laughs> hey, hey, Chris, one more for you before we break. They're telling me to break. But we know what the Dolphins are saying, and we've said actions speak louder than words. Right. If Stephen Ross thought he could get Aaron Rodgers – Hey, would Stephen would Stephen Ross hey. stop and ponder the possibility of Aaron Rodgers with Mike McDaniel? I, it, 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 that's another good one, Mike. It's another good one. It, 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 you know, again, depending on where it goes with Tua, but that one would fancy, I think, a guy like Rodgers where he'd go, "What? I'll go there. I'll play with those freaking guys that got four rockets up their ass. I can throw RPOs as good as Tua. Actually, I can do it better. Have you seen me? I got the quickest release in the history of football, and he was doing it all year long this year, anyways." That's a good thought there, too, Mike. So we, we hashed out a few teams that could maybe be in the running for Rodgers if he decides to go that way. New Florida man, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that would be something. One of his various hairstyles over the past few years would fit that that vibe. His his Nick Cage, Con Air arrival to training camp, I think, would fit very well. Florida, although Miami's not quite the same thing, but, yeah, that would be that would be something. And that's one of the things he's got to ponder as he makes his decision for what he's going to do in 2023. And look, the NFL is more fun with these personalities in it. Even though we just mercilessly ripped Tom Brady, it's more fun with him in it than not. The NFL is more fun with Aaron Rodgers in it than not. We will miss them when they're gone. And maybe they won't be gone. Maybe they'll both be back next year. It sure seemed like they'd both be gone at one point in October. Maybe they'll both be back. We'll be back to get you ready for a round of the playoffs that includes neither Aaron Rodgers nor Tom Brady. The divisional round matchups. We'll start taking a look at them next here on BFT Live. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. There's the narrative out there that, okay, now the Jaguars are, are playing with house money. 
but your experience as a, as a coach and player, I mean, you can't just say, well, you know, if we don't win this week, not a big deal, we'll play with house money, but I mean, you have to embrace these opportunities. You, you, there's no guarantee you're going to keep getting them year after year yeah. after year. Whether it's our money or house money, um, we're here, and uh, it's a credit to those players in the locker room and the coaching staff for, you know, believing in each other, obviously working hard. Um, what we've done down the stretch, you know, regardless of the mishaps, we're here. Doug Peterson, Jaguars coach, first year. Wouldn't it be funny if he becomes the first guy to win Super Bowls with two different teams? Wouldn't have had that on the bingo card of the all-time great coaches who managed to win and none have Super Bowls with two different franchises? Peterson also said that they can play freely. They can play loosely something we've talked about. Nobody expected them to be there. Nobody expects them to win. It's a powerful thing, and we've seen many a one seed fall victim to that lower seed that wasn't supposed to be there. It's a dangerous spot for the Chiefs. And how about this fact? Although I'm not as smitten with this as others. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday, high school, college, or NFL. Well, how many Saturday NFL games has he played in two years? Well, one. Two? Yeah. He's probably up to two. Yeah. Well, he had the Saturday game, the Saturday night game. Oh, Remember the NBC dinner he didn't come to? Yeah, right. Played that night. Right. And then then this this past Saturday. So he's 2-0, I think, on Saturdays. In the NFL. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's a cool stat. You're right. I mean, it doesn't really hold merit going forward. Uh, it just speaks to, you know, again, he's been dominant everywhere he's been. He's been a stud, and, you know, he's finally getting back into the stud conversation here in the NFL right now where he was kind of trying to find his way as a young quarterback. But he's jumped on the seam in a, in a, in a big way. This would be an interesting one because, like, like you said, there's some psychology there. They go, oh, it plays right to the Jaguars' hands. There's also, I could flip it around and go, you know, I know they played there in the regular season, and I know they have a playoff game under their belt, but they played a team that really doesn't know what the playoffs are about in the, in the, the Chargers, nor, you know, again, no disrespect, Jacksonville, the stadium, it's not necessarily known for to be crazy and, oh, it's so loud and such a tough environment to play in. They're going to walk into something this week that, they have not experienced as NFL players. They're not. They're going to see a team that knows what type of intensity and you know uh, uh, emotional you know output that is needed for playoff football. Let alone a team that's going. We want another freaking Super Bowl. So that's where it gets interesting. You know, like I said, they did have a little taste of it in the regular season. So maybe that helps them out, but. Uh, that's where I am interested in being on the field, you know, in the pregame on Saturday, kind of seeing the, the faces and the energy of Jacksonville as compared to the Chiefs. And uh, that'll be something to watch for, for sure. I keep thinking back to 1996, the year that – was it 96? Which one are you talking about? Second year in the league for the Jaguars. Yeah. I'm talking about the Jaguars going out to Denver. Right. Beating Elway the, and Shanahan. The Broncos. Yeah, Mark Brunel yes. and company, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was crazy. Yeah. Them and, and Carolina I, I remember. I remember where – that was one of those moments. You know, there are some games where you remember exactly where you were. I remember exactly where I was watching that game. I couldn't believe that the Broncos were going down to the Jacksonville Jaguars in only their second season. That was the two teams, Jaguars and Panthers, both in their second seasons, got to the conference championship right. Right. that same year. Giants-Eagles, long history. Eagles favored by seven and a half. I was a little surprised by that point spread. Here's Jalen Hurts on whether he's worried that the Giants will target his injured shoulder when they play on Saturday night. 
That's football. Um, you know, I, I got a hit. I got a bounty on me every week. I go out there on the field, so um, go out there and just play my game. You know, whatever happens, happens. I bounty's probably not the right word to use given something that happened 11 years ago. But uh, look, that's the way it is with quarterbacks. Even though they don't talk about it anymore, it's frowned upon. It's part of the game. It's always been part of the game. What did Al Davis always say? The other team's quarterback must go down. He must go down hard. You want to intimidate. You want to physically assault the quarterback because if he's not able to play at the highest possible level, you got a better chance of winning the game. That's now unspoken, but it's still part of the reality, even though the NFL has tried to put the quarterbacks in bubble wrap as best they can. Yeah, I mean, guys don't want to hurt players. You know, They don't. You know that. But they want to make them feel it. That's for sure. And if they get hurt within, hey, feeling it, then so be it. That, that, that's how players think. You know, I think you know enough guys right in the NFL. They're not trying to hurt anybody, but are they trying to hit you as hard as they possibly can and hope it bangs you up? Yes, they are. That, exactly right. And then Jalen Hurts, of course. I mean, he's one of the better players in football. He's, you know, he's the guy that when you defend everything with their offense – Oh man, the quarterback design run or him scrambling, you just go, huh, we don't have an answer for that. And yeah, will some giant guys want to fall on him extra hard when he's running or getting sacked in the pocket? Yeah, they're going to probably let their body weight go a little bit, probably cognizant of that it, that little shoulder issue there. Uh, this is a, it's a big time game. We'll see. You know, it, it's interesting watching back that game the first time I did that a little yesterday or their first matchup, not week 18 matchup. Giants did some good things on defense. They did. Uh, they made life hard on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Uh, so that's, you know, maybe they could slow them down. The Giants had a, a punt block, let up a big kick return, had a fourth down play call that should have been an intercepted, if you remember, and Julian Love kind of went up and waited for, for the ball and let Devontae Smith catch it and score a touchdown. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, now Philadelphia also knows how they kind of defend them, too, and they got time to prepare for that, and they could have a few wrinkles off of that as well. You made a good point that I want to make sure we emphasize, and I want to make sure that folks understand what I'm saying. There was a time in the NFL where, and I think it was pre-free agency, 70s, 80s, yeah. the teams truly hated each other. Right. There wasn't that cross-pollinization right. among players where they did try to injure quarterbacks. The idea was you get the quarterback off the field, you get the backup in, you got a better chance to win. I think now it is more about rattling the guy who's in there. Right. Not injuring him, not knocking him out of the game, but giving him something to think about, making him think twice. The physicality that goes along with it, when you get the opportunity for the clean legal hit, you want him to think twice the next time around. You want him to be off his game. You want him to be rattled. I think that's how it goes now. Yeah. And there isn't what we may have seen in the 70s or 80s where things did get a lot dirtier and there was more of a deliberate effort to try to get the starter off the field and get the other guy on as well. I know we got to move on, but I, there's another point. Yeah. My son and I were talking about this last night as well. Who do you think the Eagles spent last week preparing for? Hmm. That's a good question. Well, I would think it, I would think that they didn't spend a whole lot of time on the Giants because they have – you know, some things in the bank already on the Giants, right? We played them twice. We kind of know them. So that's where, 
Uh, I would have expected the uh, uh. the second game was the JV team though. The second yeah. game was the JV. I know team. you're right. You're, you're right, but you still watch film that week and do all that and prepare for them, right? So they're, they're, they they got to have at least a little bit of a file on the Giants. I I, w- I would guess the Bucks. I would guess the Bucks are probably the team they prepared for because again the same thing with the Cowboys, right? They got a little file on them a little to where I think you go to the team that you know uh, we don't have anything on yet. Uh, so that would be my two cents there. I, I I probably assumed to some extent they had people working on all of them. Yeah, the I would think would so. One that they, they hadn't played this right. year. You go a little and harder you need to on be that. ready in the event that that's the team you're going to face. Right, right, right. And then on as of Sunday, by Sunday you knew it was the Giants, so it gave you that extra day. You didn't have to worry about the Bucks or the Cowboys anymore on Monday because exactly. by Sunday at right. seven thirty Eastern, unfortunately, you knew that the Giants. Big were Blue now. Bengals and Bills getting together. <laughs> I can't believe it's only been 16 days ago. It does seem like weird? forever it's been ago. 16 days since DeMar Hamlin. Uh, the Bengals and Bills got started. The Bengals were up 7-3. The game was postponed and then canceled following the DeMar Hamlin cardiac arrest. Which uh, offensive performance from the wild card round concerns you more, the Bills or the Bengals? E- easily the Bengals. Easily. You know, the Bills moved the ball. The Bills just need to see the big picture and go, wait, we're up 17 nothing, and Josh Allen, don't just throw a jump ball. And I know John Brown kind of screwed him over there, right? But that was a point in the game where you go, wait, wait, we're in control of the game. They got Skylar Thompson. Woo-wee, horsey. Hold on. Slow down here a little bit. Let's play a little conservative. So I, I, I'm never worried about the Bills. The thing I worry about with the Bills is just they put too much on, you know, one guy's shoulders. Again, you know, couldn't really run the ball all that great last week. It's it's all about him. You know, it's 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 a, it's miraculous throws. He's got guys like Cole Beasley and John Brown. Nobody in football wanted these guys on their team, and here they are playing, you know, huge minutes for them. I think that kind of speaks to that. So that's where I worry about them. But you know, the Bengals is concerning. It is. We've seen this during the year, and it's a simple offense. And when teams kind of kind of figure them out, they go, wait, we got you locked up. Joe Burrow's got nowhere to throw. And I think what compounds that even more now is we got three out of their five starting offensive linemen out. And that's an issue. You know, it's a, it's a, so that's going to affect them as is compared to the way they were when they played the Bills uh, in the DeMar Hamlin game. It's, it changes things here a little bit. It's advantage Bills' defense a little, the fact that they're beat up up front, and now they might not have to worry about the run game, and they, their pass rush might be able to get there a little more quickly. So uh, I'm more concerned with the Bengals, Mike. The Sunday games shaping up to be awesome, really all weekend. But Bengals, Bills, Cowboys, 49ers, what? That's the last one. That's the Sunday night what? game, six o'clock. Uh, that's going to break the ratings most meter. Forward to in that matchup. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they they did thirty point six million on Monday night for a crappy game between the Cowboys and the Bucks. Can you imagine what this Sunday night's going to do? I, I can't. On Fox it's when just, Cowboys and 49ers yeah. get together, it's going to kill. What's it. your number one thing? Well, number one thing. You know. I think the the first thing is the 49ers do have an advantage here just from something you just brought up, Mike, right? That they got two extra days of rest, and if they were smart, they've already played the Buccaneers. So they should have. They probably have gotten a head start on the Cowboys to go, wait, we haven't played them, so let's just go all in on the Cowboys here for, you know, 48 hours, right? And if it's the Bucks, okay, so be it, but we got a little base there anyways. So they have an advantage there. I think the the big thing for me is just can can Dallas find the right combination of stopping that awesome run game 
without compromising themselves to a point where, you know, the Shanahan special play action, those type of plays just absolutely, you know, don't gash them. That's the thing I'm I'm interested to see. But, man, you talk about studs and freaks on the field. This one takes the cake this weekend with freaky guys on a football field. It's going to be awesome. Plenty of people on the outside have complained about the Cowboys having to turn it around on Mm. a limited time, fly home, fly to Santa Clara. The 49ers are home. They get two extra days, yada, yada, yada. But you know what? Jerry Jones didn't say him boo because he understands – Money, yeah, that's right. Comes from that Monday night game, and Mike McCarthy said the same thing. TV is king, right? And obviously, the Cowboys are king when it comes to NFL on TV, and uh, that should be a great one on Sunday night. Again, all of them should be great this weekend, uh, and high stakes. All winners qualify for the conference championships. When we return, the Titans, who were a game away from the conference championship round a year ago, have a new general manager. We'll break that down when PFT Live continues right after this. Titans Avenue General Manager Rand Carthon, executive with the 49ers, now joins Tennessee. He had been the director of player personnel in San Francisco, also has worked for the Rams and the Falcons. John Robinson was fired by the Titans in November, so it's Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel now working together moving forward with the Tennessee Titans. Several different names were in the mix, and it's just kind of a weird vibe right now with the Titans generally, the way they collapsed down the stretch. I mean, Mike Vrabel was in no danger and shouldn't have been. He was our coach of the year last year. I can't remember who won the NFL coach of the year award in 2021, but PFT made him the coach of the year and he got a honey baked ham in his honor for the effort. Uh, they, they, they have some work to do, but they're in a weak division and, We've seen what Vrabel can do with an endless cast of characters coming and going all the time. He'll have them competitive in 2023. Yes, I would think so. I mean, again, I'm 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 a huge fan of Mike Vrabel. I am the way they play football. Uh, their their game planning. I mean, even again, I know they lost that Jaguars game, but man, they were undermanned. You know, they had issues. They managed the game perfectly. They really did. You know, and it took a miraculous play by the Jaguars to win the football game. I, I love this hiring of Rand Carthon. First off, I mean, his dad was, you know, my dad's fullback back in the day, number 44 for the New York Giants. He was awesome. He's, he's really one of the, the better fullbacks in the history of football. Could do it all. But Rand, I mean, again, I, I understand Mike Vrabel wanting a guy like Rand. You know, first off, he's going, wait, we played the 49ers last year. They got a bunch of guys that we talk about all the time, right, that are psycho, and the coach says run through a brick wall, and they don't even think. They just go. Uh, I could see him liking that. And Rand, of course, been around the game his whole life, but has a great history of, you know, knowledge just in his time in the NFL. Working for Thomas Dimitrov in Atlanta, who's got a good eye for talent, you know, at going to the, the, the Rams football team. And I know they weren't great, but the one thing I'll say about Jeff Fisher, his eye for talent uh, to me is, is top-notch. It's a reason the Titans were 
always relevant for so long. And then to go, you know, from there to the 49ers and, of course, the team they've accumulated there. So this is a guy that understands how to build team. He's got an eye for talent. And, and that's something I think they're missing a little there with Tennessee. They got a lot of stuff there. They need some playmakers, some sizzle like we talk about. And A.J. Brown again. They got to have some guys that can make some plays and not always make it about 10 plays, Derrick Henry, up the middle, we smashed you and scored that way. Uh, so that's where I think he'll add a, a lot of juice to the team. Our old friend Rob Stats Guerrera, a 49ers fan. Oh, yeah. All of his life. That old Stats. Sent this last night. Ah. Trey Lance Instagram post with a picture of Rand Carthon oh. and fingers crossed emojis cascading. Why? Why would you upwardly. do that? Why would you do know. that? I don't know. What does he think everybody's going to think even if he doesn't? You know, even if there's something I else behind this, what does he think everybody's going to think? Why? Your what, team, what would your fingers be crossed for? Right. I don't know. I hope it works out for him. I, I mean, right? I, other than that, it seems like your fingers are crossed because you're going, I hope he takes me to Tennessee. Why? Right now, your team's in a, the divisional round, right? You're not doing anything. You know, put that picture out and say, good luck, Ran. Period. Like, why? why? I just... It just it frustrates me with, with current players at times with these cryptic social media messages that are distractions. One finger crossed emoji for each of the first round picks the 49ers gave up to get Trey Lance <laughs> in 2021. Gives us something to talk about. Yes, it gives does. us something to keep an eye on. And hey, hey, with each passing victory, Brock Purdy cements himself as the guy in San Francisco, well, the guy that they'd been searching high right. and low to find ended up being the last guy drafted in 2022. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it is, it, again, it makes me think about what they would be if they had Mac Jones and they drafted him. Okay. That's the first thing I'll say. But secondly, like you're right. I mean, what, what's it, what's right now. All right. If they end the season this weekend, but he still plays good. Right. I mean, he's definitely getting the first team reps and OTAs and training camp. Right. I mean, there's, there's, is there any way actually at this point? I mean, what do you think it would take? He'd have to throw four interceptions and fumble the ball a few times, something along those lines. I feel like, I mean, it'd be pretty hard for the run he's got on here for Shanahan then to get to OTAs and go, yeah, you're back to the backup here, you know. And we're gonna go with the guy that was raw, and we were all kind of questioning, and we're kind of develop, even though we saw you do all the things that the raw guy couldn't do and ran the offense the right way. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting there. I I, I just feel like they're destined to make whatever decision they make a bad one. That they're just so caught up in their own heads about it, they're going to screw this up too. It's the only the thing they can't get right. Stick with right. Brock Purdy. Right. It's a, you know yeah. me, I love the 49ers and I'm a fan and all, of course that. But yes, this seems to be the one issue that they cannot quite get right out there. They'd be in the midst of a dynasty right now if they had gotten the quarterback position right. All right, let's take a break. In case you missed it from Super Duper. Wild card round. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. All right, those are the eight remaining quarterbacks man, by age. Look at all that. under thirty. Woo! Get out of here. That's refreshing. Old man, closing the door on Robert Dunder. Go away, Tom Brady. Go away, Aaron Rodgers. If you're 30, you need not apply to be one of the remaining <laughs> quarterbacks in the NFL playoffs. So here is our draft for today. The divisional quarterback confidence. Down in the fourth quarter, specifically. If you're down in the fourth quarter, 
Which guy do you have the most confidence in? Off we go with round one, and I know who you're going to pick. Well, yeah, you do. I mean, we know who the first three picks here are, I think, you know. But, yeah, I'm going Patrick Mahomes. Of course I am. I mean, you know, he's the MVP of football. He's been the most consistent this year. You know, there's just nothing that makes the guy, you know, blink in anything. You know, I know he hasn't been – he threw an interception in overtime last year in the AFC Championship game. It wasn't because he was, like, scared or didn't see something. He goes for it. He does. Uh, yeah, so Patrick Mahomes is, is clearly one for me. I'm torn between Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Yeah, right. I'll go with Josh Allen just because mm. – He's incapable of throwing short of the sticks ever. If it was fourth and 40, he wouldn't throw short of the sticks. So I got a whole thing right now about throwing short of the sticks. So give me the guy with the strongest arm in the sport, and I'll have confidence that in the fourth quarter, on fourth down, no matter how long that fourth down is, he ain't throwing the ball short of the sticks. Well, that, that's I, – and, and you, know, you know, honestly, I mean, this is a, a guy that I know hasn't won the Super Bowl in MVP yet, but he's – I don't think any of us, if he gets the ball last, we always go, well, they're going to score. I mean, it, he's gotten to that point, let alone like we talked about earlier. I mean, I don't think anybody has to deliver more plays for their team than Josh Allen. So that leads to some craziness at times. But I think if you took, you know, like the 40 best throws in football this year, I think Josh Allen would probably dominate that list as far as like, oh my gosh, whoa, that's unbelievable, those throws, certainly. And I would go with Allen. Burrow's going to be my next pick, yes. Um, I mean, again, we, we've seen Burrow go on the road and win three playoff games on the road last year, and we saw him go against the, the Super Bowl champs, the Rams, in that game and have them up against the ropes, and they weren't as good as the Rams. So Joe Burrow is, you know, these three guys, to me, they're, they're really – it's it's nitpicking. We're talking about the studs of studs here, and they're certainly not going to be flustered by the environment, the circumstances, or anything like that. Now, let me make sure. Point of clarification. Down in the fourth quarter means down a score, not down like 20, right? You're down. You need a drive. you got to have it. Okay. I. You know what? Where are you going to go here? I'm 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 going to give in to recency bias. We just saw the guy do it four days ago. I'll take Trevor Lawrence. We've seen him do it in this round of the playoffs, in this year of the playoffs, not this round, obviously, but we saw him do it last round. Give me give me the guy who went to Waffle House because he's playing on house money. And I look at it this way: if the Jaguars keep it that close that they do have the ball down a score in the fourth quarter. That means they've weathered the storm. That means they've dealt with the noise. That means they've adjusted to everything. That means they have the game going their way. I'll take Trevor Lawrence in that spot. I, I, you know, Again, I don't think there's a lot of wrong answers here. That, that's for sure. And, and Trevor is another one like we just talked about. I mean, I think he's, he's on the trajectory to you know, that stratosphere of the guys we're talking about here as it looks right now. Um, whoo, man. All right, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. I am. You know, you, you ask me the guy I trust down a score, fourth quarter like that. Sure you don't want to go Gardner Minshew? Well, <laughs> you're, you're funny. I know. Oh, gosh, I hate Jalen Hurts. I know. Shut up, everybody. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's like it's, it's unbelievable how that took a life of its own. But Jalen Hurts, yeah, in those situations. And, of course, I, Jalen Hurts is damn good. He's damn good. And he is tough to stop in those those moments. I mean, one, he's a good decision-maker throwing the football. Two, his ability to escape the pocket or have a quarterback design quarterback draw like we saw in the last seconds of the Indianapolis Colts game. You know, there's a lot to defend with him. And 
like these other guys we talked about, I mean, nothing faces Jalen Hurts. Nothing. And that's his greatest quality. He'd never, he wouldn't blink if he was standing in front of a, a freight train. He'd still be like, okay, yep, it's football. I know freight trains come, and I'm going to just have to do the right thing here. And he's, he's awesome that way. This one's tough for me. Mm-hmm. Because we saw, you know, down in the fourth quarter, because look, the, the Cowboys' formula isn't be down in the fourth quarter. No. The Cowboys' formula, if they want to win, is be up convincingly in the fourth quarter. You don't want to be in a spot where you got to have that one last drive. We saw how that went last year. But because Dak Prescott was so freaking good on Monday night, I'm going to assume that he's turned a page. So I'll, I'll take him because he's more proven than the, the other two. And yeah. that's nothing against Daniel Jones or Brock Purdy. I hear you. There's no wrong answers here. These guys are all left for a reason. Um, there are many other quarterbacks that would be farther down on the list, but I'll go Dak Prescott to wrap up round three, and we'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. So, I really do feel bad that Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy are the last two. That's I okay. hate to do this round. Because that leaves one piece of cheese standing alone. All right, so who would you take between Purdy and Jones? I, You're the I, one who's leaving the cheese standing behind. I know. Well, yeah, I know. It, it's it's. I think it's logical that these two are the the last ones standing. I'm taking Daniel Jones. Yes. I mean, I don't trust the rookie in this moment as much as Daniel Jones. We've seen he's very comfortable in being down one score, being in that type of game all year, and he's another game. I mean, another guy that just. You know, like the rest of them, he just he's never blinked. He's been booed since the second he got to New York. He never blinked. He just stayed the course. And I, I so yeah, I, I mean again, it's it's uh this is tough picking here, but yeah, I'll go Daniel Jones and now you got Brock Purdy. Well, and Purdy's completely unproven in that setting because the 49ers are so good, they're not down in the floor. No, we haven't seen it you yet. You don't need your quarterback right. to make a drive. You don't need Joe Montana to roll to his right and find Dwight Clark at the back of the end zone. You don't need Joe Montana to go into the huddle and say, hey, look, there's John Candy over there and calm everyone down and take it right down the field with the touchdown pass to John Taylor to win Super Bowl twenty three. You haven't needed that. This team just comes out and kicks the crap out of everybody. So... You know, that, that is, and, and you'll hear justification from teams at times. Oh, we got in a tough game. That'll help us later. There is something to be said. Definitely. For having been in a tough spot and processing it and not freaking out because you've done it before. You've got something you can access in your brain, in your memory bank. Brock Purdy doesn't have that and may never have that playing for this 49ers team. No, that'd be interesting. And if it got down into that, I would go, that's advantage Cowboys. The Cowboys, if it's like that, it's going to be like, oh, Cowboys are going to feel that. They're going to know they're not supposed to win the game, and they're going to thrive off of those kind of moments. It'd be interesting to see. I wouldn't be shocked if it came down to that on Sunday night. I remember that the Cowboys did have that close call against the Texans, and Dak Prescott said that'll 90 well something in the yards. Future. Well, you're, right. not playing, you're not playing the Texans. In the playoffs, you're playing the 49ers. Slightly different. That's it for today. Have a great Wednesday. See you tomorrow. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.